Well, welcome. This is Student Activist Hub Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam. Hey, welcome. Uh, we are trying to get our opening up uh, that we had last week, uh, created by our executive producer. Uh, but uh, we might play it for you guys at the, the uh, midway point, uh, halfway point, because I like it so much that uh, I always like to have it in the show. But um, this week we're uh, going to talk about uh, some of the aftermath of the election the uh, Tea Party, uh, and also uh, we're going to have a, for those of you who know uh, John Stewart, uh, who is, who has uh, been uh, under the weather for a little while, did an interview um, on MSNBC, and it caused some controversy because he actually defended uh, George W. Bush um, and uh, sort of defended some of the actions that he had in office. Um, and so we, we want to talk about that uh, as well uh, during the show. Um, but starting off, we, we want to sort of continue on with the recap that we had of the election that happened last week and what people are saying uh, right now. You have the political blame game that's going on uh, with, you know, some people saying, you know, Barack Obama has to uh, adopt Republican policies in order to be successful. He has to basically back down from the from his agenda, uh, back down from healthcare, uh, and from, you know, a whole host of other things. Uh, and you know, that's cr- creating some fallout. You have the house speaker, Nancy Pelosi, uh, who's out there and she is under fire. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi, she comes from California, San Francisco, California. So she is liberal. Uh, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, the Democrats that we talked about last week, the blue dog Democrats, which are more conservative, have been trying to undermine her and even trying to oust her uh, from power. She wants to stay on as the leader of the Democratic Party in, in the U.S. House. Uh, and a lot of them have said, oh, well, it's her fault that the Democrats lost. You know, and then there's people who are saying, oh, well, it's Obama's fault, you know, that the Democrats lost. Actually, Adam, did you see the um, op-ed uh, that was written in one of the, the sort of Washington newspapers saying that Obama basically uh, needs to announce that he's not going to run for re-election, that his first two years have been a failure and he needs to just say, I'm going to be a one-term president and adopt Republican principles. I did not read the article directly. I heard some chatter online about, you know, a a few people referring to it as the dumbest article they've ever seen. Yeah, it it didn't have any coherency at all. It was written by... I can't remember their names. It was in the Washington Post, mm-hmm. uh, and I cannot remember the names of the, the two people. At the end of the article, it just said that, you know, these two, they were Democratic strategies. That was sort of the catch, that mm. these were Democrats, and they were telling Obama that he's failing. Uh, and so they were Democratic strategies. What they neglected to mention, that these two authors have appeared on, they're basically Fox News people, and they're on the payroll of Fox News. And so... You know, mm. we know that Fox News has a very negative take on the Obama administration. Mm. All of their opinion, they, they say, oh, well, we have opinion hosts and then we have the regular news. You know, all the opinion hosts don't like Obama and they've all raised money against him. So there's no balance on that. The news people have spread, you know, rumors uh, about Obama. You know, they've talked about, you know, his religious background. Now, of course, he's a Christian, but Barack Obama, you know, according to Fox News, could be a Muslim. That's what they're saying. You know, that's totally inaccurate, but people have promoted that. They've talked about his citizenship. So 
uh, you know, the, that's where this op-ed saying that Barack Obama should, should uh, you know, announce that he's only going to serve one term and basically become a Republican is coming from. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and, and uh, there was also, also in the news, uh, there was a commission that would deal with sort of the Tea Party sacred cow, which is the deficit, the U.S. budget deficit, the Tea Party that's their big issue, according to them, the, the uh, deficit. And um, I uh, read the the commission that Obama set up, which was bipartisan. It it had a Republican senator from um, Colorado as the chairman, co-chairman, and a Democrat, uh, Bush, uh, Bill Clinton's former uh, chief of staff, as another one of the co-chairmen. And it was sort of equally divided between the two parties, Democrat and Republican. Uh, and and it also didn't just include people from parties. It included businessmen. It included labor leaders. Uh, it included environmental groups. People from all across, not just uh, political parties, because the two political parties don't have everybody represented. Uh, so the commission chairman came out with their report, and that created a hullabaloo uh, in Washington, uh, especially with the Tea Party. Uh, claiming that they it's unacceptable because it raises taxes and cuts defense spending and and so it really raises you know their uh, commitment to lowering the deficit um, and so you know I I guess we should just start off with Adam there's so much Dive to in. talk about uh, yeah well uh, I wanted to start off maybe just reminding people that um, if anyone wants to call into the radio show oh, yeah, um, right. our number is three one four. Five one six one eight eight eight. So that's three one four five one six. The U. So uh, we definitely would you know welcome any other discussion topics if people want to talk about other things. But um, I think we were going to start off uh, mentioning um, the uh, as Kevin talked about the uh, the Stuart Maddow interview. Uh, it was uh, the whole thing was uh, long was pretty long like forty minutes. But we'll just play probably one clip that <laughs> I think embodies sort of. Uh, Maybe what what Kevin and I uh, want to talk about is sort of sort of uh, a particular criticism I think um, that Kev, at least it seems to me like from talking to Kevin that we both sort we of both share have it and we can elaborate. Did you you want to play the entire clip or? Um, it's only. Uh, well, let's see. Is this the right one? I think I think this is the right. Um, or do you want to do you want to cue it up and because and, there's a particular pertinent part where John Stewart talks about his views on President Bush and John Stewart has a reputation of being sort of this, you know, liberal guy. He's a comedian, but he appeals to a lot of liberals. Um and uh, you know, um it's sort of surprising to a lot of people uh, in the in the audience. It it's very very surprising to a lot of people who are watching it. Um and you know, the Rachel Maddow, for those of you who don't know, she's a new uh, host on MSNBC. She started off, uh, she's only been on the air for two years, I believe. Um, and she is sort of the second, uh, you know, liberal host on MSNBC. And uh, bef before it, it was Keith Olbermann who sort of came in at the peak of the Iraq war when that was going on. And he denounced Bush on the Iraq war. And a lot of people were upset because he shouldn't criticize the president on the war and so on. And he's too liberal. Uh, and um, Rachel Maddow's in there now as another liberal. And people are basically saying that MSNBC is like Fox News because they have two people who are liberal and Fox News has two people who are conservative. 
one of the things that uh, was Rachel has talked about on her show is that Fox News, the problem with Fox News isn't just that it's a conservative, you know, isn't that it's a conservative network. Somebody, this is a huge country, there's 300 million people, there's going to be conservatives and they need to have a view, their voice is heard. And so if they need a television station, then they can have it. The problem with Fox News is that they spread rumors and, and all of these things about Barack Obama, and they did it with Bill Clinton. They're more intense when it comes to Barack Obama, spreading things, talking about he's not really a U.S. citizen. It's just all these sort of kooky things uh, that are coming out from that network. And, you know, MSNBC does not do that with Bush. You know, they have criticized Bush on what he's done. They've criticized him on the Iraq war. They haven't needed, they don't need to make up things about the Iraq war. They can just report on it. Uh, and and report on what's going on. And so what Maddow was criticizing uh, Stewart in this this interview uh, was uh, basically saying, you're setting up a false equivalency between Fox News and MSNBC. So I I think this is the right place. I'm not positive, but uh, we'll we'll try it and go go from here. John Stewart, thank you for coming in. I know you're under the weather. It's nice of you to come in. I have the bubons, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm here to take me medicine. You are here at the, the 24-hour political pundit perpetual panic conflictinator. Yeah. Conflictinator, by the way, is a reference to Phineas and Ferb, the cartoon. Oh. The, uh, the evil Doofenshmirtz, Dr. Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> uh, my kids watch it. Everything he makes is an innator. My conflictinator. So that's... Um, you don't do all that many interviews. I think I've done. I think I've read every one that you've done oh, in the really? past couple of years because I, right. I tend to over prepare. Uh, why did you? Why did you want to talk to me? Why did you want to do this? Uh, after the rally, you know, uh, whenever you go out there, we whatever you put out, you can only control your intention. You can't control its perception or how people receive it, and you can control your execution. Uh, so when people are perceiving it as something, people that I respect are perceiving it as something that uh, we didn't perceive it as, sort of either two or three things. One is we were inartful in the way that we conceived it and presented it. Uh, our intention was wrong or off, not clear, uh, or it's being misperceived. So I guess it's there's probably a fourth. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. On the issue of... Um the perception of the rally in media. Um, Bill Maher said, Bill Maher's criticism of it was this. He said, when John announced his rally, he said that the national conversation is dominated by people on the right who believe Obama is a socialist and people mm-hmm. on the left who believe 9-11 was an inside job. But I can't name any Democratic leaders who think 9-11 was an inside job. Right. Republican leaders who think Obama is a socialist, it's all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's a paraphrase of what we said, again, that's probably in our list. We didn't say 9-11 was an inside job. What we said was, uh, these are Marxists on the left, and that Bush went to war in Iraq. I, I can't even remember exactly Bush is what Hitler was. and Obama's no, Hitler. It was something, but, but it was more about uh, that 9-11 was a chance for Halliburton to get their hands on oil contracts. And so it's, again, I, I, I take his point. It's a fair point, but I don't... That's not exactly what we said, and it's certainly not, I think, that's not the seminal thrust of what we were saying. Um, again, the intention was not to say that, peop- that's, that that's people on the left and that's people on the right. The intention is to say that we've all bought into that the conflict in this country is left and right. Hmm. Liberal, dem- liberal, conservative, red, blue. 
And all the news networks have bought into that. CNN sort of started it. They, they had this idea that, you know, the fight in Washington is Republicans and Democrats. So why don't we isolate that and we'll stand back here and, and that's, you know, Democrats and Republicans will go at it. Red and blue staters will go at it. And what it does is it amplifies a division that I actually don't think is the right fight. But if what you're asking me is, do I believe that, what, what he's saying, that's what I believe, no. But what I do believe is both sides have their way of shutting down debate. And the news networks have allowed these two sides to become the fight in the country. And I think the fight in the country is corruption versus not corruption. Hmm. Extremist what, versus regular. What's you understand the, what I'm saying? Yeah, but what's the lefty way of shutting down? Well, I mean, I... Okay, yeah. you, you've said uh, Bush is a war criminal. Now, that may be technically true. In my world, war criminal is Pol Pot or the Nuremberg trials. Or Harry it's Truman, not saying but he's, then you take that back. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did for good reason, because yeah. I don't think he was. And I think that... You know, again, we have to define our terms. But I think that's such an incendiary charge that when you put it into conversation as, well, technically he is, that, that may be right, but it feels like a conversation stopper, not a conversation starter. Okay, uh, so uh, that was John Stewart uh, being interviewed by Rachel Maddow on MSNBC cable network about this uh, rally that he had in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, right before the election, the day before the midterm election. Mm-hmm. And so Adam and I wanted to talk about it. But first, we're going to go over and take a sta- quick station break, and then we're going to come back and talk about John Stewart on MSNBC. Michael Vick's guilty plea didn't solve the problem of dog fighting in America. More than a quarter of a million dogs are placed into fighting pits each year. I'm Wayne Facelli, president of the Humane Society of the United States. If you think staged animal fights have no place in our communities, then join us in the fight now. We're going to put dog fighting out of business once and for all. To find out how, visit us at humanesociety.org. A message from the Humane Society of the United States. Learn more at humanesociety.org. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, We... We are back, um, but or was there some technical issues that we? Oh, I didn't. I thought you wanted to do that activist hub intro, but oh, we can do well, that we can do the, that the, at the the half. The, the half an hour. Okay, that that was just quick. <laughs> I I thought we were we were had some air problems, but um, this is uh, Student Activist Hub Radio, uh, and I'm your host Kevin uh, with my co-host Adam, uh, and we're talking about uh, a plethora of things. Uh, and the first thing we wanted to talk about was John Stewart interview on Rachel Maddow and uh, the snippet where he's talking about uh, what he calls conversation stoppers. And what he mentions is that can, uh, you know, a conversation stopper among liberals is the idea that George Bush, who, for those of you who don't know, George Bush around the election season, when he can get his name out in the politics and so on, he uh, released his new autobi, his new autobiography or memoir, um, decision points, uh, and he wants everybody to buy it and, and help him out monetarily and so on. Uh, and uh, he uh, mentioned in there his justification for the Iraq war. And what Stewart basically said is that liberals, by accusing him of being a war criminal, 
that is an incendiary thing and it's a conversation stopper. And it's the same thing as somebody saying Barack Obama is a Muslim and is not a citizen, you know, of the United States. Now, first of all, my first reaction is because just because somebody is a Muslim doesn't mean they're bad. So by saying that somebody is a Muslim, that's not a bad thing. So to compare to that, uh, but that's the, not, that's sort of beside the point. Um, the second thing is that according to, you know, when Rachel Maddow says that Bush is a war criminal, we're sort of going back into the past and relitigating it. But I think it's important to point out that that's actually, you know, a report commissioned by General Antonio Toguba, who is the former general in charge of Iraq. And he came to the conclusion that he didn't say George Bush is a war criminal. But what he did say is that the Bush administration uh, oversaw war crimes. And first of all, the first one is a war of aggression. If you attack a nation for no reason other than you don't like their leader, that's under the the United Nations Treaty, which the United States is a high contracting power to, a war crime. And so that's what people are saying when they say George Bush has committed war crimes. Now, it seems like in, in the U.S., the U.S. is such a powerful country that it's not like any other country can come in and prosecute George Bush. Like we, we when other leaders make uh, war crimes, we go in there and we prosecute their leaders, but nobody could do that to the United States. So it's up to the, the people in this country to, to get Bush, and basically he's getting let off the hook. Now, you know, John Stewart's point in my mind, uh, you know, I, I just disagreed with the way that he— uh, put I, I disagreed with with sort of the way that he had that that equivalency and you know in my mind that false equivalency between liberals who say that say something factual about Bush yes it's incendiary yes it offends the sensibilities and causes nose to wrinkle and hawing and heaving and so on and so forth but it's still true it doesn't matter if it's offensive to say uh, you know as, if if you have facts to support it then you can go out there and and say it there's no reason to shut somebody up and say that they're illegitimate for saying it. Yeah, I I think in fairness to John Stewart, I don't think he said it was exactly like comparing, you know, saying Obama was a Muslim yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I I mean I agree with you uh with your your sort of basic critique. I mean, so he he said it's incendiary and um, you know, a, a conversation stopper to yeah. say that George Bush is a war criminal. And I, I don't know, I think it gets at, um, Kevin actually sent me this article earlier in the week um, from a blogger named Digby. Um, Heather Parton. Heather, Heather Parton. Yeah, who's um, a blogger from uh, Santa Monica, California. Yeah. One of the great bloggers. You can find yeah. her on digby.blogspot.com. Very well-known blogger and I think one of the earlier bloggers. But anyway, she, she's a great um, analyst of political events. And, um, and she mentioned in this um, blog post that there's this sort of tendency um, among people on the left to sort of view compromise as a good thing, to sort of see, see compromising as an intrinsically um, sort of good thing. And even even if you're sort of correct on an issue, it's good to sort of meet someone in the middle. Yeah. And, and I feel like that um, kind of relates to this idea of Bush and war criminal, where John Stewart is sort of saying, well, you know, it's technically true yeah. that he's a war criminal, but nevertheless, we shouldn't call him that because people on the right are going to get so offended Mad, and yeah. so angry that, that, they we won't won't be able to, that we won't be able to have a discussion with him. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but right. So he's sort of viewing this as 
you know, we should push aside some of the part of reality in order to appeal to people, um, you know, who, who, who will complain about it. And, yeah. and one of the, and another thing in the Digby article is that people on the right do not, they do not have this yeah. feeling that they should compromise. They do not see the world in terms of these gray shades. They yeah. just think their way is the right way. And they, they scream and yell about anything when they don't get their way. So, um, so the point of her article was sort of like you're always going to be move, shifting to the right if people on the left are trying to compromise and people on the right are always just stomping their foot and saying, no, we will only settle for our own agenda. Yeah, and that gets to, you know, I I think John Stewart's view is is widespread. You know, I think the Obama administration has declined to even investigate Bush, the things that he did that people accuse him of, of being illegal, including the warrantless wiretapping including the torture that went on in Guantanamo Bay. In fact, people don't even use the word torture to describe it, even though it's been used in the past to describe what, what other leaders who waterboard people have been doing. Uh, you know, so, but what, what, what John Stewart's view is, is on this issue is, is pretty widespread. You know, and, and so I think that you know, even some people in the Obama administration would be willing to you know, compromise with, uh, the Republicans just because they believe that compromise is a good thing in itself. Even if you believe things that are wrong, then, uh, you know, it's still good to just meet you at midway and compromise so that we can all get along and we can change Washington and make it happy and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and what they're citing is in Digby's article, she points out that um, two-thirds of Republicans believe that uh, the lead, the newly Republican House of Representatives and the, that all that, ha- that happened in the midterm, all the Republican victories, those people should stand up to Obama, quote-unquote, and they should block him. And, you know, basically they, they cited a poll, and the poll, asked, do you, do you, the poll asked Republicans, do you want your leaders to stand up to Obama or compromise and get along? And basically two-thirds said stand up to Obama, and 20% said get along. They asked the same thing to Democrats and the Democrats said Obama should get along with the Republicans, you know, and like 40% of Democrats said Obama should get along with the Republicans and 40% of Democrats said he should stand up to the Republicans and stand for his principles, you know, and, um, you know, so there's a divide. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people who feel, you know, and including, I think myself and Adam sort of have this view that there's different views on the world. It's okay for somebody to believe that we should invade Iraq, you know, and it's okay for them to believe that we shouldn't, you know, then we should argue about that. There's no reason that you should say, well, let's compromise and let's invade Iraq and then pull out, you know, after, you know, two years or so. You know, there's no reason to do that if you believe passionately that, you know, and same thing with healthcare. Some people believe with the recent healthcare debate that we shouldn't have universal healthcare, that that that's not something that everybody should get. And that, you know, basically we should let private insurance companies provide that. And if some people don't get it, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. there's people who believe that. And there's people who believe that health care is something that in a country that has a $13 trillion economy, people should have. You and, know, that it's not something that people mm-hmm. should have in this country that's wealthy. I believe that, you know, and I see no reason why you shouldn't fight for that as opposed to just say, well, let's compromise and, and meet, meet people halfway. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, too, that um, when 
when we're critical of this idea that progressives should, um, you know, see compromise as a good thing. And, and I, I should point out too, like, I don't, I mean, I don't think there's any, like, I just, it, like the study was just compromise. sort of a poll. It's yeah. sort of just like a fact about this sort of liberal viewpoint as a lot of people believe that. And there, there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just sort of an interesting observation. But, but I wanted to point out that, you know, in a sense, you can clearly say compromise is a good thing. And what sense is that? Well, I mean, we live in a world where different people have different values yeah. and, you know, we care about different things. And if you really want to move forward on issues, you're going to need to compromise, just practically speaking, yeah. to be more effective. But I think the problem is when people think that compromise is sort of an intrinsic good, that you should do it even in situations where... um you know, it really conflicts strongly with your beliefs or even yeah. in situations where you could get something better. You know, you could pass a law that's better for more people and that you have the ability to pass it. But nevertheless, you should compromise anyways just for the sake of compromising. Yeah. And I think I think the mistake is thinking that compromise is intrinsically good rather than seeing the reality, which is that it's instrumentally good. Compromise yeah. is good for when the you sake, have to do it. Yeah, yeah, for the sake of getting good things, but it's not good in and of itself. And, yeah. I, and I think that um, is sort of the problem with some perspective. I mean, I don't I doubt anyone sort of, you know, thinks to themselves out loud. Oh, I think compromise is intrinsically good. But, 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 I, but it sort of seems like that's kind of the mentality but, yeah. of why some people think that, you know, we need to be. um you know, liberals are just as bad as Republicans, or you know, yeah. they need Why to they do need more. To have sort that of false equivalent. Yeah, it it goes both negatively and positively, and I think that's a great point that you made, Adam. That's just a great point that compromise is good when you have to do it. So at this point, Barack Obama to get a budget passed is going to have to compromise because Republicans control one house of Congress. He just has to do that. When the Democrats controlled two houses of Congress, did he have to compromise? Or was that something that he felt he should do because that was just the way he is, his personality? He feels like everybody should get along. You know, I think that, you know, the way that they ended up passing reconciliation, re uh, health care was through reconciliation. And, you know, they didn't uh, need to get, they didn't get any Republican votes anyway, but they just spent like a year to try to get some Republican votes just to do it. They didn't need to do it because they didn't get any in the first place, mm -hmm. but they 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 passed healthcare to just get everybody get along and under this whole theory. But getting back to uh, the point that you made about uh, uh, the instrumentally versus the sort of intrinsic uh, view, it sort of goes negatively and positively. So if you pay, if you listen to a cable news station for more than five minutes, you're going to hear bipartisanship about twenty five times. You're going to hear. Bipartisan, bipartisan bill, bipartisan support. We need to bipartisanly come together. And that's what we're talking about, that, that this idea of just bipartisanship is something good. It's like freedom or liberty. It's just something that is good and we need to stand up for and do just because it's good. We need to fight for it. Right. And, you know, and, and it works the other way, too, where the media will oftentimes say, Conservatives think that Barack Obama is not a citizen, and liberals think that he is a citizen, and there's a debate about it. Or conservatives think that evolution is, you know, not scientific and is a liberal hoax, and <laughs> liberals think that it's scientific, and there's a debate. Or, really importantly, 
conservatives think that global warming is a liberal hoax foisted on the country to become communist, and liberals think that it's science. And liberals and ninety nine point nine percent of scientists believe that it's really it's ninety nine point nine percent of scientists believe that it's happening and it's going to damage the planet dramatically. But the media does this, and they set up this sort of false equivalency. It's like, well, both of them are, both of them are in this debate, and it's getting muckety muck, and we have to have a bipartisan compromise for both, you know. And it's so, I think it gets back to this whole point of with John Stewart saying, "Well, I'm not going to criticize Bush because he'll get the conservatives mad." But if something's true, then stand up for it. Don't just compromise on it. You know, stand up for it and say it's true. And that goes for the media too. They don't have to say. There's a sense in the media that if they say global warming is real, you know, and it's backed up by science, they are liberal now. And they're in, they're in the liberal right. conspiracy and the liberal hoax that's foisting communism on us. You know, that's the sense or that, that they're taking sides. Yeah, they're taking sides, you know. And I mean, in a sense, they're taking the side of truth. I mean, there's controversies about everything. You know, you could, I have been in meetings where people assert emphatically that George Bush caused 9-11. And by saying that. George Bush didn't cause 9-11 and that it wasn't an inside job and a hoax and so on. I'm taking sides against that person, but it's still true. I mean, there's no reason for me not to do it because, you know, I would be not objective and I would lose my credentials as a fair and balanced person. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, saying what's true and what's not. Uh, So we're going to get back to this discussion. Let's just go ahead and take a quick uh, station break uh, on the half hour. Yep, And we're going to... Do the station ID, and then we're going to do our, uh, our intro, opening intro yeah. as we really like uh, the <laughs> intro that Lori made for us. So, yeah. yeah. We clear. Three, two, one. Time to get this party started. You are listening to Umso Student Radio, the U, broadcasting from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, online at www.umsoradio.com and on 1620 AM. This is Umso Student Radio, the U. The U. The views expressed in the show are not necessarily the views of the University of Missouri-St. Louis or the U. This is Student Activist Hub Radio, a conversation on local and national political issues and events. You can call us at 314-516-8438. That's 516-THE-U. And now your hosts, Adam and Kevin. We are back, and that was our opening, the uh, great opening by executive producer Lori, who uh, has uh, graciously put a lot of time into it, and I really like that that introduction. Uh, and next, when we start off uh, next time, um, we are going to have that as our intro. Uh, but uh, let's get back to the discussion on false equivalency and on Washington, you know, just on the on the abstract of Washington politics, not the horse race. Well, yeah, can I, uh, I want to back up a little just because, um, so uh, I had kind of expressed some reservations actually before um, John Stewart's rally to restore sanity. Ah. And um, I think it's interesting because I don't think, uh, and, and people really reacted strongly. Like, ah. you know, if you criticize Stewart, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get some crap Stewart, from, yeah, just... from people on the left, yeah. which, which is fine. But, um, I, I thought it was I, what the the criticism though I thought was really interesting because I don't think John Stewart I don't I don't think you can really blame him for falsely advertising 
um, what the rally was going to be. But I do think there were a lot of people on the left who sort of saw this as like the antidote to the problems that we're facing today is this sort of emphasis on sanity, right? The rally to restore sanity and the rally to have like this good, um, you know, thoughtful political discussion. Yeah. And, um, I think the problem, I mean, and so my reservation really though, was that I had seen enough of Stuart. I mean, I, I love Stuart and I love Colbert. Um, but I'd seen enough of some of his stuff where I knew he would kind of try to put the blame equally on like the Olbermans of the world who, and like Glenn Beck, who are really not doing the same, not the same thing. So, and, and why do I say that they're not, um, doing the same thing because i think olberman he certainly is biased he certainly like engages in like name calling that he doesn't have to engage you know he could be calmer about you know calling people names or or thinking up funny ways to insult people but fox news is like they are working on an agenda of like literally just doing the bidding of like I think this is a, one of the terms Maddow used was like it's institutionalized. Yeah. You know, it's like they are they're not operating randomly where they just oh like oh how do I feel today? They get yeah. their sort of talking points and they push a particular agenda that's coordinated with like the Rush Limbaugh talk radio and that's coordinated with the Republican Party leadership talking points. Whereas uh, Oberman, you know, he'll criticize liberal. You know, he'll say oh Obama's not doing this right he's not doing that right and so they're part of an institution that's really pushing for something and so they have no hesitation at all about using propaganda i mean their whole business model is basically propaganda whereas what olbermann does i don't think it would count as propaganda because it's still based on in fact it's based on what he perceives to be the truth whereas i see fox news as based on the agenda they're trying to push regardless of regardless of the truth oh, so <laughs> something about them. Uh, yeah i mean and i agree with that um the uh you know what what uh, a lot of people a lot of my um, friends this term is swept in about the the republicans sort of having epistemic closure and like how they won't accept things <laughs> it, it's a liberal i've it, it's it goes back to these same John Stewart people, uh, these, these type of um, sort of liberals who don't like to to take sides on things and, and want to be sort of objective and so on. Uh, and they argue that Republicans are epistemically closed; they can't accept ideas from outside of their. They they essentially can't accept ideas from outside of their Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, all of that that echo chamber. That's it's just a fancy way of I don't even I don't like the term, but it's a fancy way of saying they're closed. And what they say is that people who read blogs and people who, you know, create podcast shows like us and people who have, you know, MSNBC and watch that type of stuff. They're the same. They're closed too. like they can't accept anything. They're basically closed minded people who can't accept anything outside of their own, you know, views their own viewpoints that don't reinforce their own viewpoints and it's this false equivalency and fox news is sort of different it's it's not you know it it's just qualitatively different in what it does they're they have they're not talking about you know a agenda to you know have a conservative perspective out there 
they're talking about destroying something. They're talking about destroying Barack Obama and promoting, you know, the agenda of the Tea Party or whatever the most conservative group is coming out. I mean, they're not partisan. It's it's wrong to say that they're just out for Republicans because if a Republican supports Obama, then they're going to try to destroy that Republican too. So it has nothing to do with the political party and everything to do with the ideology. And MSNBC has people who are liberal and who happen to be liberal, but they're not going to, you know, they don't have a goal of trying to prove that liberalism is right every single time and the the conservatives are bad and, you know, uh, liberals are good. That's not their goal to do. They're just, they have a perspective on the news that's liberal and they're going to report that perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Another thing I thought uh, was really, uh, I think, I thought it was a, a good point um, made by Stewart um, in the sense that at, at one point in the interview with Maddow, he said um, he doesn't he thinks that the, the the debate is being framed as sort of left versus right, whereas what he thinks the real problem is is corruption um, and sort of extremism versus you know reasonable discourse. You know that's yeah. sort of how he sees. Um, the conflict. And it was interesting to me because I kind of agree in the sense of like thinking that sort of seeing corruption and the abuse of power as the real issue. And mm-hmm. and that's like for some time, you know, sometimes uh, I don't know. You probably saw this, Kevin. Like I was at a, a rally and um, one of the Tea Party people, uh, Adam Sharp, who does the blog Sharp Elbows, was sort of following me around. And he asked me like 50 times, like, mm-hmm. are you a communist? You know, like he was trying to get me to say I was a communist and I'm not. Um, and I think the reason I'm not, the reason I don't identify as a communist or a socialist um, is really because I don't see that as the root issue of the problems that happen in America, I don't think, are all based on capitalism. I yeah. see there are problems with capitalism, but I think the issue is corruption, and I think the issue is people who have power abuse power. And I think we've seen that that happens in lots of different types of governments. Well, and and, and when, just, just to, to comment on your point. Mm-hmm. Conservatives and Maddow mentioned this. Conservatives are very interested. Oh, this is also a point made by Glenn Greenwald, who's a blogger as well, uh, and he blogs on Salon dot com. A former constitutional lawyer, uh, he makes his point that conservatives and the media are very interested in labels. They're very interested in saying, "I'm a conservative, and that guy's a liberal, and that guy's a socialist." The term "liberal," go around the street and ask people what that means. You will not get a coherent answer. I guarantee you that your average voter, they might kind of know what conservative means. And they might be able to say they might be able to say people that don't like Obama. But could they name a concrete set of coherent views that come with that label? Probably not. You know, and same definitely goes with liberal. People would not be able to identify a concrete set. It means nothing. Usually they could say, oh, well, it's a bad thing. Or somebody who lives in California and is from San Francisco and likes to eat quiche or something. Yeah, okay. But that's not a concrete policy view. And so these labels. More quiche bashing. I don't mean to bash people who eat quiche. (laughs) But that's that's a stereotype, so I'm going to run with it. Uh, and, And the conservatives are so interested in... And th- but they realize that the term liberal has lost it. It's just a, it's just a term, and so you frighten people th- with that term for you know four or five years, and eventually they say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. So now you got to move to c- communism and socialism, 
and, you know, all the other bad terms that, that somebody could be. So now, as opposed to Obama being too liberal, he's a socialist. Or, and then it moves to communism, and then he's Hitler. And so it just they're so interested in these labels. They mm-hmm. don't know what it means. You know, I bet you Adam Sharp has no idea what communism means. He just thinks it's something bad and something right. negative that he can tar you with and get you embarrassed and hot and bothered. But it has nothing to do with what it actually means uh, and, and, and the differences between that. He's not interested in that, and nor are anybody who's using those types of labels. And it's fascinating to me how our political discourse is so caught up with labels as opposed to what can you do, like what actual policies can you enact. Like even with when it came to health care, do most people know what's in the health care bill? I bet you if you ask people oh, what's no. in the health care bill, a lot of them will say, oh, well, there's death panels. That's what they will say. They're not going to say anything rational that's in the health care bill. They're just going to say mm-hmm. something just totally not having anything to do with policy. But it yeah. is a convoluted bill, too. So it is, I think, it, it, you know, That's it's true. It's a difficult. It's sort of... hard to do. That's why, you, you, you know, in a sense, you have to boil it down to talking points. But the the... You know, I don't think that the bill and and generally I don't think that things we talk about in our political debate are just so difficult for people to comprehend that you just have to give up because people can't do it and it's too hard and the American people are not smart enough to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the view that the media takes. If you really, you know, ask people in the press, why do why are you so caught up with labels? Why are you so caught up with is Obama liberal or is he a communist or whatever it is? Same thing with the conservatives. If you're if you're if you ask them, one of their responses will be, well, the American people need to know where you stand. They just need to know broadly. It's like a feeling that they have. Are you with them? Do you share their values or are you, you know, outside? And that means liberal and communism and so on. You know, are you outside of the mainstream of America? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. The policy issues are unimportant because if you're with the American people's values, it doesn't matter what your policies are because you you have the same values as the American people. It's a very common response whenever you see somebody criticize someone in the media or even criticize a Republican who's sort of harping on what your label is, regardless of what you actually believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, The the other thing I was going to say about that, Stuart, framing it in terms of um extremism versus non-extremism yeah um you know i I can't really say all that i want i mean i I don't think i have this figured out but i feel like there's a sense in which though um it's true that extremism is a problem and and stewart makes some very nice critiques of the way that the news is done nowadays Mm. where he says basically the news model is based on the September 11th model yeah, of like great, nonstop 24 hour yeah. reporting. And nowadays though, there's not always going to be exciting, you know, things that are that dramatic, but the news is kind of wound up to try to keep people like feeling wound dramatic <laughs> about, yeah. yeah, feeling dramatic about stuff. So they're always hyping stuff, always trying to make stuff more um, dramatic than it is. And I, I think that's probably why the tea party is as successful. It is because they fit, the business model of yeah. the news media, you know, they fit perfectly. Their kind of rhetoric fits in perfectly with what the news media wants to put out there because it's so extreme and, you know, fear, you know, fear. Yeah, and it's, it's like a circus. I mean, it, you can just get in there and throw the charges of, you know, throw these outrageous charges in them. That fits the media model. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that Ed Martin is out there saying, 
oh, uh, you know, vote vote fraud and there's cheating and there's protest and hollabaloo. Mm. It just fits the media model. They like that drama that, that goes along with it. You know, and there is drama in politics, but, mm-hmm. you know, the nitty gritty of it isn't really that all that dramatic. Yeah, but the, but the sort of – okay, so that's what I really liked about Stewart's critique. But yeah. the problem is I think that he and quite a few people believe that, well, the solution is we just need to have more rational, thoughtful, calm discourse. And I totally agree that there needs to be rational, thoughtful, calm discourse. I mean that – you know, no question about it, and that's what I think policy decisions should be made based on. But there's also this fact that human psychology is sort of, humans are sort of by nature, you know, we're drawn to these sort of conflict and these tricks that the other side is using. And so this idea that all you have to do is sort of talk calmly and, you know, try to have this rational debate <laughs> And, and people are going to eventually see the light. I don't think it's true. You know, I think that there's a sense in which, and I'm not saying we should be the same way that the Republicans are or, you know, the right wing, because I obviously don't agree with what they do. And I yeah. think they cross the line. But I also think it's naive to think that um, just by being calm and rational, things are going to going to sort of magically People are going to do the rational thing yeah. just because you're having these rational conversations. The more and more, so I'm in you know this program, philosophy, neuroscience, psychology, and it seems to me like the more and more um, research I read about in psychology, the less rational people really appear. You know, yeah. we're not really these like purely rational beings. We're beings that are very flawed, and we're very biased towards certain types of information, and we ignore certain other types of information. Um, and you know, we have these sort of flaws that lead us to make certain consistent irrational mistakes. And so um, I don't, so that's why I was saying I don't really have a solution, but I think there needs, you know, there needs to be some sort of middle ground, not a compromise, mind you, <laughs> but there needs to be some sort of middle ground between no, recognizing that, you know, thoughtful debate is what we should use to determine our policies, but also knowing that that in and of itself is not going to be enough to, actually win political victories and yeah, I mean, actually and, and, move your progressive policy forward. The good, the good agenda that you decide is the right agenda to move it forward. You need more than just the, the thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, you discussion. need to, you, you need to, in some sense, you need to, to fight fire with fire. I mean, I don't think you should adopt the Republican principles, the Republican, um, you know, not their principles, but their taxes and not Republicans, just the tea party and, the sort of extremist forces. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't label it all with Republicans, but you know, you need to get in there and recognize that that um, you know, part of what the Tea Party is going to do is they're going to have they're going to appeal to the worst instincts uh, of of us as humans, and you know, try to to create fear and to you know uh, create incitement and to get outrage and anger. They're really based on this outrage against the establishment um you know and and so that's that's one of the things that that i think that um you know we have to sort of look out for and and we have to that would that's one of the things we we need to fight against and point out and and say you know it's wrong to do um i think we should go ahead and take a quick station break uh and then we can come back and sort of wrap up our discussion we we really i wanted to get to more but (laughs) Go go ahead 
Okay, we're back. This is Student Activist Hub Radio, and I'm your host, Kevin, uh, with Adam, uh, my co-host. Uh, and we're talking about, uh, you know, just just politics and, and uh, John Stewart and just all sorts of stuff. I wanted to move ahead uh, into the tax cut debate that's coming up and the Bush taxes, because I think it really fits in nicely with the discussion that we're talking about, and, and you can apply it. Uh, so, as we know, the Republicans uh, have the majority. Republicans gained the majority in Congress, but the the new Congress does not come in, doesn't start until January. So remember when George when Barack Obama won the election in November, George Bush was still president until late January, uh, and and so you know brought people were sort of waiting and thinking why isn't Barack Obama coming to office? And George Bush was in, and that's called the lame duck session uh, in between the election and when the new people in power are sworn in. So in this lame duck session, the main one of the main domestic policies of George Bush, his tax cut, has come up, uh, and it's expected it to expire. Uh, and you know what you really look at with these tax cuts is that they are geared towards rich folk. They're geared towards wealthier people. Those are the people who benefit the most dramatically. And so a pro- the progressives and, and liberal the liberals. Uh, and uh, and a lot of other people have come out and said, well, we need to get rid of that because, you know, that's inherently unfair. We we need to make the tax code fair, but uh, for people who are wealthier, then what wealthy means, you know, in this de- definition uh, is somebody who's making an annual salary of a quarter of a million dollars. So, you know, and when the median salary of the United States is below uh, you know, $30,000, there's around a $30,000, uh, then that's, in my mind, that's pretty wealthy. Many, you know, people are subsisting. I know in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and in St. Louis, Missouri, and a lot of these inner cities, people are making much worse, and they're managing to subsist on, you know, $20,000. So if somebody is making 10 times more than that, I think that that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so uh, and then they have families and single mothers and many killed kids and so on and so forth. So the debate is whether or not to extend the tax cut that Bush passed through on more than the wealthy uh, folk, which the, the plurality of the tax cut goes to more than the people who are making more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now, mm-hmm. it's the Barack, the Obama administration, unfortunately, is sort of taking some of these the talking points from the media and from, you know, a lot of people and saying, yeah, you should compromise, adopt Republican principles. After all, they won the midterm election, blah, 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 which isn't quite accurate because the Democrats still have control of the Senate. But nevertheless, drop your principles, drop the principles and compromise with them. That's basically what they're saying. And just extend the whole – and the compromise isn't really a compromise because what the what people are saying is just extend the whole Bush tax cut. Just yeah. adopt the Republican. That's the definition of compromise, and that's what gets me. Yeah, and right, and it's just so it's just a, it's so mind blowing, and it fits in so perfectly with what we were saying because it's just it's bad politics too. Because ninety eight percent of Americans would not be affected that's, that's the other by thing. yeah, that's this, the other thing the, I the wealthy, to point out. the tax cut for the most wealthy group, and so Democrats, you know, they have the position of a you know of power where they can pass it if they can pass a tax cut for the middle class if they want to um they also have um i think the moral high ground because it just does not make sense to have a 
a huge what is it seven hundred billion seven hundred billion dollars that, that would everybody that 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 the tax cut would would blow a hole through the budget yeah it would it would cause a, a deficit of seven hundred billion dollars to restore this tax cut for the highest um, wage earners and so they have the moral high ground they have the ability to pass it and nevertheless there are some people who are sort of criticize you know like there are centrist democrats who are saying oh no we need to compromise for the sake of compromising <laughs> yeah. in order to show that we're moderate yeah, and we're exactly. centrist Even, th- that yeah. is exactly right keep going well well yeah and just so it's just it's just such a it's just such a bizarre um way of of seeing the world yeah. and i it, think it starts from some of the centrist Democrats who are in office, the, but the blue dogs. But unfortunately, it probably appeals to the same people that Digby was talking about, who who sort of see compromise as a good thing, and, good, like, yeah. they, and they might buy the if the Republicans scream about it and say, "Oh, how could you be so mean and not yeah. cut taxes all the way?" There might be some you know liberal people who are like, "Oh yeah, Democrats were kind of mean. They didn't yeah. really compromise." Hey, you know, <laughs> it, it's so funny. It's like people are going to complain about stuff. We're talking about a government that has a three trillion dollar budget. You know, people are going to get mad and complain and protest and do it. But what you got to do is you got to say, "Okay, we have elections for a reason. I got elected, so let's do it." And I know that you know fifty. Four, 53% voted for me. Then we're talking about Obama. He was got 53% of the vote. 47% didn't like him, and they voted for Palin and McCain. That shows you how much they didn't like him. They voted for Sarah Palin to be vice president. So <laughs> if that's what they wanted, then you got to say at some point, I know people are going to get mad and scream and say I don't like it and blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I mean, it's not as though... George Bush, it's not as though people didn't complain when George Bush was in office. I certainly remember doing that. And he just did what he did. Yeah, he and we care. and he didn't care. And that's the way politics works. And yeah. the thing about it is, getting to the George Bush, the Republicans, they just do stuff. They just when they get into power, they just do it. They're very uncompromising. And it looks like there might even be a government shutdown like the Gingrich Congress. But, but the last time the Republicans controlled Congress and there was a Democratic president, the Republicans and Democrats couldn't work out a budget. Bill Clinton, very centrist Democrat, compromised with the Republicans. But the Republicans basically wanted to eliminate Medicare or eliminate, sorry, not Medicare, eliminate Medicaid because that functions with the poor. They wanted to eliminate that. They wanted to get rid of it. It's socialist or whatever. So they tried to do it, and Bill Clinton said, no, I, we simply can't do that, that people rely on that program. And so if you get rid of it, then the health of the United States will be jeopardized. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people, those people are the type of people who can't, you know, if they can't afford a doctor, then that's that. They're not going to get medical treatment, and, they, you know, they're going to continue to be ill. Bill Clinton, you know, stood up for it, and the Republicans shut down government. With the tax cuts— they, you know, they're not going to compromise. The idea of compromise on this tax cut is give up totally and surrender and get the entire Bush tax cut. That's not a compromise. You know, in right. my mind, the Obama administration has already compromised. And what they should have done is they should have said the tax cut is only going to apply to people who need it and can stimulate the economy. Other than that, there's no reason to have it. And right. then, you know, work something out in between. You know, but they said, well, the tax cut will apply to everyone except the most outrageously, the 2% of the population who 
don't need it. And it, well, maybe it'll, the Republicans say, well, maybe it'll trickle down and it'll hit, you know, the money will hit somebody in the face. By the way, as far as I understand, there is no evidence. I think there have been some studies that, that the, yeah. show this. There's no evidence no whatsoever evidence. that lowering the, the tax rates for the, for the highest, rich people does anything. Well, increases and, and, and the, that, any shouldn't sort of that be obvious to me yeah, yeah shouldn't that be obvious because bill gates look at him he has he's accumulated 50 billion dollars it's sitting there like he <laughs> has it it's not doing he's just has it like people accumulate this money they don't spend it it just sits someplace or you know okay i have it in a stock portfolio it doesn't he doesn't invest it and hire people to build a yacht he just accumulates the money that should be obvious because we can look at these people who have all this wealth. By the way, they say, "Yeah, cut. I don't need the money. Yeah, cut the cut the tax." But the republic, you know, the, the Republicans, they want it. It's an ideological point for them. So, yeah. and there, uh, uh, another thing I was going to mention is their compromise is is actually more extreme than what Bush passed in the first place. Because yeah. when he first passed it, it was only temporary. Yeah, and they're now they're saying they demand that it has to be, be permanent. permanent. Tax cuts for the wealthiest of Americans, which is more than even Bush would, you know, yeah, even Bush signed. So that was that was pretty hilarious. We, we there's so much to talk about because these lame duck periods are when things happen, that when rubber hits the road and mm-hmm. when important things happen underneath the table. You had the deficit commission, mm-hmm. and they're coming out saying we need to raise the retirement age. No, this is overwhelmingly popular, unpopular. Nobody wants to raise the retirement age. Right. And I can under, you know, why would you want to raise the retirement age? You know, you work enough, you know, working until you're six, 70 years old is just too much, you know, because then the life expectancy, you know, is only 78 years old. So you're getting Social Security for eight years? No. Oh, can I just say, I just want to add one quote from yeah. Paul Krugman that was Go ahead. Just excellent about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, great. It yeah. was, um, I think he said that um, they want to raise the retirement age for janitors, janitors. because lawyers have have a longer life expectancy exactly. yeah <laughs> so, exactly so. you know and and you know they 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 want to raise the social security age which is going to reduce benefits they want to eliminate the cost of living increases which is actually going to reduce benefits for people alive i mean everyone's no people know that there's going to be enormous political resistance so no one serious no serious politician who wants to be reelected is going to propose this but that's but the interesting part is this is what elite people think. This is what people in Washington who are just totally detached from the world and thinking about these things in abstract, this is what they think. That's more interesting to me. They think, and we're talking about the moderate Democrats, Evan by not moderate, he's conservative, the, the blue dog, we're, we're going to go over, the blue dogs who, you know, are out there saying we, got to, we have to have the, the, tax cut, the tax cuts for the wealthy. They also want to cut Social Security benefits. I mean, this is their world. It's very warped to me. I, I really don't understand, first of all, how he considers himself a Democrat. But secondly, how he even comes to this conclusion to we need to cut taxes for the rich folk who don't need it. And then we need to raise retirement age for people who already work, you know, and they don't need to work any. You know, I don't see any need for you to have to work anymore. If you look at it, they already have the system where. You, you can get a smaller amount of benefits if you retire at 65, or you could get your full benefits at 67. Most people actually just take the 65 and go with the smaller benefits because they don't want to work anymore. They, they want it to go for the 65, and that seems obvious to me. And now you have the moderate saying, everybody has to say, that, then that's the other thing. Everybody has to sacrifice. And it sort of doesn't even, 
apply. I'm looking at White House GOP look for middle ground on tax cuts on the on MSNBC.com, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But doesn't it it doesn't it fly in the face of reality that we can't you know rate we can't you know let the tax policy of Bush expire for the rich but rich, richest two percent of the population. You know that's we can't do that, but we have to have you know a benefits cut for the people who actually need it for Social Security. I mean that just amazes me. Uh, that that people you know are thinking that and people are thinking that way uh, mm-hmm. on these issues. I mean, I'm just I'm absolutely amazed that that that's what Evan By and the Blue Dogs and all of them think about things. You know, to me that means they're not Democrats, and we really need to take some action to to sort of against them on this issue. But that's for a later show. That's not very compromising. Of you, <laughs> it's not, but Kevin. you know what. There's plenty of Repub- there's enough Republicans who think that. And when the thing about it is when these blue dogs say this, people don't actually identify them as blue dogs. The average voter, most voters don't know anything about congressional caucuses and things like that. They, they don't have the time to follow all the in- intricacies. Voters say Democrat, Republican, and then that's pretty much it. And they sort of know what that means. Democrats, you know, are this and that Democrats don't want war and so on and so forth and, and want social security and Republicans want tax cuts and so on and so forth. But the, you know, the blue dogs are actually sort of like the wolf in sheep's clothing. They are actually not to say Democrats are sheep, but they're actually the, they put on, they're the wolf, they're the Republicans and they put on sheep's clothing and then say, Oh yeah, well I'm a Democrat yet. I support Republican principles 100% like Evan by and I'm a con, you know conservative. I support the war in Iraq. I don't want don't he won't even vote for don't ask don't tell. I don't want um you know uh, tax for the rich people to expire. And then I want to cut Social Security benefits. This is Evan Bayh's policy, and he considers himself a Democrat. Now, in my he's going to be going from the Senate. He retired, and so that's good. And you know the other people who are left, in my mind. If you can get rid of them, get rid of them. If you can run against somebody, run somebody against them, why not? I mean, they just, that's what politics is about. You, somebody disagrees with you on policy, it's nothing personal, but this is, you know, you're spending taxpayer dollars. You need to go if you don't agree with me, you know. And, and, and if, if I lose, I lose. But at least I try to put up an opposing view against, the, against these people yep. and get them out. But, um, I got out. We, uh, we're over the yeah, hour, we're, so we're we either, we either have to run the station break or, or, or stop well, talking we, all our, together. Our next host is, isn't here, so you know, we can't. If, if it's okay with you, Adam, and our executive I, producer, Lori, then, then we can go ahead and, and wait until he comes along. Okay, yeah. So we, we'll just play a quick station break, and then we'll be back um, continuing to talk a little bit. For student activist radio. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Student Activist Hub Radio, and beloved, uh, the next host with uh, his show Kama Sutra has just walked in the door. So we we went a little bit over this time. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> okay, <I'm late>. okay, <laughs> that's good. So, but uh, we're going to close out the show, and uh, so you've been listening to Student Activist Hub Radio, uh, and. Next week, um, it, the building will be closed because it's Thanksgiving holiday. So we, Adam and I, will do our podcast. So let me just do the plug for the podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just type in Activist Hub Radio on iTunes, and you can find us, and you can find our show for next week on the podcast because we're going to be doing one. Or you can go to Adam's blog at Student Activist 
stl i'm sorry stl activist hub at blogspot.com i forgot that so many different things so stl activist hub at blogspot.com and you can find us there uh all the shows are going all the shows are up there all the shows that we have done are up there now and you know if you want to hear this any of the back archived episodes you can hear those if you want to hear our show next week you can find us there uh so um yeah let's close out the show okay yeah thanks for listening and uh we'll be back next week